You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. I mentioned during Sunday school that this week I have come in contact with a lot of discouraged Christians. And I've realized over the years that one of Satan's most effective weapons, one of his fiery darts that he successfully hurls at our hearts is the dart of discouragement, which if not dealt with in a biblical way can really turn into dark days of depression, which really opens us to many of Satan's strongholds and will cause us to be defeated as a Christian. As we were getting ready to come to church, my wife and I were in the bathroom together and she was combing her hair and I was getting ready and she kind of chuckled. She, so, she said, you know what Emma said to Bethany yesterday? And I said, what did Emma say this time? She's five, is she six? She's five years old. And she said, Mom... You know that the Bible says that kids should always have fun. (laughs) I've never come across that verse in the Bible yet. But I do know this, that God wants us to be joyful. And when we enter into those seasons of discouragement... It just has a way of stealing the joy of the Lord from us. And that is not what the Lord wants. But we all, we all struggle. Even David, a man after God's own heart, a man that penned these amazing songs, even David struggled with periods of discouragement. Psalm 42, I wish I had more time. As the heart or the deer... Panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God. Do you thirst for God? Are you thirsty for God? Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Did you come to church today thirsty for God? We all know what it's like to be thirsty. We just can't wait to get a good cold, refreshing drink. When was the last time you were so spiritually thirsty that you you just couldn't wait to get a hold of God? And yet, God could not be found. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? When will I appear before Him? When will He appear To me, my tears have been my meat day and night. Can any of you identify with that? While they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? You say you're a Christian. Where's your Christian faith now? Where is the God that you have put your trust in? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, 
for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them into the house of God with the voice of joy. We've had a lot of that today, right? Yes or no? Well, we've enjoyed the worship service today. There's been a lot of joy in here. And yet, despite the joy that we have had, and I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, how many are carrying a troubled heart? With the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. I want you to understand something. This day is a holy day. This day belongs to the Lord, and you're exactly where the Lord would want you to be on his holy day. But notice what David says. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of my countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. He says so much more there. Go down to verse 9. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Have you ever felt that way? Where's God? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? I'm just so oppressed. As with a sword in my bones. That's a deep wound. Mine enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Mocking and making fun of your Christian faith. Verse 11, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He repeats it. Why art thou disquieted within me? Jump over to the next chapter. Look at the uh, last verse. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Overcoming discouragement. As I was meditating on this passage of Scripture and many more, I was in my truck, and when I'm in my truck, I'm usually listening to the local radio station, and a news bleep came on. And I'm going to tell you, a wave, of a wave of discouragement just swept over me. And here I had been working on this message and preparing this and meditating on these truths that I'm going to share with you today. And it was about how the state of Wisconsin, the Democratic governor of the state of Wisconsin, is now flying over the capital, the LGBTQ rainbow flag to celebrate Gay Pride Month. It caused me to go back when President Obama had the White House lit up in the rainbow colors to celebrate the LGBT perversion. I was so discouraged. Today I want us to really consider this subject of discouragement. Because I know that if we do not deal with this, it can easily slip into depression. It's when you 
lose heart. You lose hope. Will things ever change? Will it ever get better? When I think of discouragement, I begin to think of three phases that I have gone through in my life of discouragement. One is when I'm just mildly, mildly discouraged. This is when minor problems and pressures negatively affect my emotions. But I'm able to deal with it. I'm not one that's really that prone to discouragement. I'm a pretty positive person. But it does happen. And only those who are the closest to me, usually only my wife, can detect that there's something wrong. And then I've gone through periods of strong discouragement, from mild to strong. This is when major problems and pressures have negatively affected my spirit, and now other people are noticing. Pastor, are you okay? Some of you here have come up to me in the past and said, Pastor, are you okay? You, you look like something's bothering you. And then I lie and say, yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> and so do you. Right? Because we don't, want, we don't want to dump on people all of our problems. But people begin to notice. You lose your joy. Everyone can tell something is wrong. You're just not yourself. You actually look and you act somewhat depressed. So you have the mild forms of discouragement. You have the strong form of discouragement. And then, it, then disabling depression sets in. This is when the problems and pressures of life just become overwhelming. David mentions here, let's go back. He mentions in verse 7. Are you there? He mentions the water spouts and the waves and the billows, how they've just have gone over him. Have you ever felt that way, that it's just like a big wave of trial has just engulfed you? You're just overwhelmed. You're drained. The depression drains you of your spiritual, your mental, your emotional, and yes, even your physical strength. Wow, it is really quiet in here today. Because this is reality. We all experience this. So today I want to talk about it, and I want to talk about it from the perspective of a spiritual aspect. I'm not... I'm not addressing the physical issues that can cause depression. I'm not talking about the hormonal issues or maybe a chemical imbalance. Uh, years ago, I always struggled with this because I, I heard people talk about that. And, and I always relate it more to a spiritual issue than I would some physical issue until we discovered that my wife's depression was because of her mercury poisoning. Who would, have, who would have ever thought? We had so many people when my wife would go through those dark times of depression. We had so many people contact us and say, you know, your wife must be having a spiritual problem. And I'm like, man, I don't know of a more spiritual woman than my wife. 
And we were trying to figure this whole thing out. And so I'm not here to address the physical or the hormonal or the chemical. But I am here to address the spiritual issues. And I do believe that most discouragement and depression does come from a spiritual issue. So if we can clear up the spiritual, we can let the doctors take care of the physical. Thank you. I do believe this, that at the basis of every discouragement is a lie from Satan. We know what Jesus said about Satan being the father of lies. Jesus also said in that same context that if we know the truth, the truth will make us free. And so either we are going to embrace Satan's lies or we are going to embrace the truth of Scripture. The problem is that many of us don't know the truths of Scripture that will set us free from these dark moments of discouragement and depression. Most of my counseling that I do is people sharing with me what they're going through in their life and then confronting that with the Scripture. And I usually say something like this to them, are you ready for another scripture? And they share with me, would you like me to address that scripturally? Because I've really noticed over the years how Satan gets a tremendous stronghold in people's lives when they don't know the truth. And they believe Satan's lies. I've just jotted down a few of the lies that Satan seems to tell people one of them is this God's not listening to you anymore or God has forsaken you let me ask you a question was David prone to believe those lies (laughs) kind of sounded like it right he snapped back to truth at the end but he certainly was feeling that way you ever felt this way nothing good will ever come from this What does the Bible say? If God loves you so much, why is he allowing this to happen in your life? And that's where you find these unbelievers mocking David in his faith. Maybe Satan has said to you, you've messed up so bad, God will never forgive you, and he'll never use you again. Just go into the world. How about this one? God's word's not true. He's been propagating that lie since Genesis chapter 3. Going to church isn't all that important. No one will even notice if you don't show up. I can't use that one, but you know. Church doesn't need my tithe. I can spend it on myself. I don't need to listen to that pastor. What does he know anyway? It's just his opinion. It's my life and I can live my life the way I want to live it. 
I don't need to listen to my parents. They're old-fashioned anyway. Living the Christian life is too hard. I quit. I'll never overcome that besetting sin in my life. You know, I really thought God called me to do this, but things just haven't worked out like I thought they should. Beautiful women and handsome men are more valuable to God than I am. I'm so ugly. I'm of no value to the Lord. I need a boyfriend. I need a girlfriend. I need a husband. I need a wife if I'm ever going to be happy. Sex outside of marriage? What's the big deal? Everybody's doing it. If I live for God, I can't have any fun. How many of you have ever heard Satan whisper a lie like that to you? Every one of those, and I could keep on going, can be confronted with the truth that will make us free. When we fail to understand God's truth, we will lose sight of God's ways. This is what spiritual warfare is all about. Cast down imaginations. You have this imagination, some of the things, you know what you do? Write on a piece of paper, just throw it away. <laughs> Cast it down. Cast down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself right there against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Because if we don't take our thoughts captive, Satan is going to run with it and he will cause such discouragement in our lives. He will get an advantage. Paul made it very clear to the Corinthians, do not give advantage to Satan. His whole goal is to defeat you and I. Moses, upon entering into the promised land. Don't you think that sounds like a pretty exciting time? God has delivered you out of bondage in Egypt. You've come across the Red Sea. And you're about to enter into the land that God has promised you. Moses said to the people, listen to me please. He said, behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it. Go take it. As the Lord God of thy fathers has said unto thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. He went on to say, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, God will give it to you. Let's go get it. And they send out 12 spies just to prepare the way for them as they're about to enter into the promised land. And the spies come back all 
discouraged. All except two. Joshua and Caleb come back with a faithful report. God said he was going to give it to us. Let's go take it. Ten come back and give an evil report. And listen to the response of the people. Moses had already told them, don't be dismayed. He'd already prepared them. And listen to the people's response. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our heart. Saying the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and they're walled up to heaven. That's an exaggeration. We have seen the children of Anak. We've seen them there which come. They are giants and we are as grasshoppers in their sight. The Amalekites dwell in the land and the Hittites dwell and the Jebusites dwell and the Canaanites dwell and the Amorites dwell. They will destroy us. Moses' response. I said unto you, dread not. We don't talk that way, but I like that. Dread not. Neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt and before your eyes. But what was their response? And I wish we had time to read this passage of Scripture. But God said, okay, here's what's going to happen. Joshua and Caleb are going to be allowed to go in. And everyone 20 years of age or older are going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that whole unbelieving, fearful, discouraged generation dies off. And then I'll bring your children into the land. David, he experienced tremendous discouragement. Day and night, the hand of the Lord was heavy upon him when he was trying to cover his sin. I want to tell you something. If you're discouraged today, it could be because you have sin issues in your life that you are trying to cover up and you're unwilling to confess and repent and forsake those sins. And so the Holy Spirit is doing a work in your heart. Remember what... David said in Psalm 51, Restore unto me the what? What? Joy. Why didn't he have joy? Why was he so depressed? Because of sin. Cain was depressed over guilt. God actually said to him, Why is thy countenance fallen? Why was Cain feeling so guilty? Because he was guilty. Because he didn't bring a proper sacrifice to the Lord. He brought the fruit of the ground. He brought the vegetables and the fruits. And, and his brother Abel brought a sacrifice that the Lord had required. A lamb. And Cain was discouraged because God rejected his offering and listen, that discouragement went so deeply that he murdered his brother. You don't think Satan got an advantage in that whole thing? How about Elijah? 
how he really entered into a time of deep depression just after his victory on Mount Carmel. I love this story. He said, how long, says to Israel, how long wilt thou halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, then follow and serve him. But if Baal be God, then follow and serve Baal. Make a choice. Let's find out who's God. And so Elijah faces off against 400 prophets of Baal. We have 400 to 1. And he puts forth a contest. How many remember the story? That's why it's important to be in Sunday school. Learn these stories from children growing up. So he puts forth a contest. He said, you know what? You guys go first. He said, build yourself an altar to your God, Baal, and bring a sacrifice and put the sacrifice upon the altar. And you call upon the name of your God. And let's see if your God will answer you and fire will come down from heaven and consume the sacrifice. 400 prophets of Baal said, you're on. And so they build an altar, and they put the wood on the altar, and they put the sacrifice on the altar, and they begin to dance around the altar. The Bible says that they danced from 6 o'clock in the morning till noon. Could you imagine six hours of dancing around the altar? And this is what they said, Oh, Baal, hear us! Oh, Baal, hear us! Oh, Baal, hear us! But there was no voice or answer from Baal. Then the Bible says they begin to leap upon the altar. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine Pastor White jumping and leaping on top of the pulpit? (laughs) Say, no, I can't imagine that. They must have been athletic prophets. I mean, I'm picturing all this going on in my mind. 400 of them crying out, dancing, leaping back and forth, trying to get Baal's attention. And uh, Elijah got a little tickled. And so he begins to make fun of them. He said, you know what? You guys just need to cry a little louder. Baal must be engaged in a conversation and he, he can't hear you. And the Bible says they cried louder and louder. Then he says, you know what? Baal's just probably busy. Maybe he's gone on a long journey. Maybe he's taking a nap. Cry louder, and they cry louder. The Bible says they cried louder and louder, and they cut themselves with knives. Satan, self-mutilation. You hear about these people cutting themselves today? That's, That's directly of the devil. 
They cried louder and they cried louder and they cut themselves with knives and they pierced themselves through with lances and their blood gushed out upon them. But Baal did not answer. After six hours of this nonsense, Elijah calls for the people to come near to him and he says, let's build us an altar. They get 12 large stones representing each one of the tribes of Israel. They put wood on the altar. They put a sacrifice on the altar. They dig a moat around the altar. They fill four large barrels of water and pour it over the altar until the moat around the altar was filled. And Elijah calls on the God of heaven to send fire and prove who he is. Fire comes down from heaven and consumes the sacrifice, licks up all the water, and turns the stones into ashes. You know what the people said? The Lord, he is God. What a demonstration. You know, I really believe that the world needs to see a demonstration of a living God in our lives. And they will not see a demonstration of the living God if we're walking around discouraged and depressed all the time. And the people fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah and the people gathered together the prophets of Baal, marched them down to the brook, and slew them there. Ahab runs and tells Jezebel, Ahab the king, Jezebel the wicked queen, he runs and tells Jezebel what has just happened, and Jezebel was full of fury, and she vows, I will kill Elijah before this time tomorrow. Now you would think that after this great victory, Elijah would have said, bring it on, Jez. Right? But you know what he does? He flees for his life. I don't quite get this. But that just shows you how vulnerable we all are to discouragement. He runs and flees for his life. He sits under a juniper tree. And he requests of himself that he might die. He becomes suicidal. And he falls to sleep. Have you ever noticed that to avoid discouragement and depression, a lot of people will just sleep a lot? Maybe things will be better if I, when I wake up. So he goes to sleep. I don't know how long he slept. The Bible doesn't say how long he slept, but an angel comes and wakes him up. Hi, Greg. And this angel has a conversation with him and says, You know, you, Elijah, I'm here to encourage you. Boy, do we need encouragement sometimes. He said, I'm here to encourage you. He didn't have anyone else. He said, I'm here to encourage you. 
He said, you haven't eaten for quite a while, have you? And I said, no, I haven't eaten. I'll tell you what, I get discouraged if I haven't eaten, let me tell you right now. <laughs> you want to encourage me, you put a good meal in front of me, that'll, that'll pick me up. So the angel bakes him a cake and then gives him a cruise of water. Do you know what kind of cake that angel baked him? Angel food cake, yes, right. <laughs> of course it was angel food cake. What kind of cake could have been it? And Elijah eats. What happens after you eat a Sunday meal? Oh, take a nap. That's Bible right there, amen. That's Bible. Take a nap. So his belly's full. He takes a nap. When he wakes up, he still has a spirit of discouragement. He runs into the wilderness. He climbs Mount Horeb, which means the Mount of God, and he enters into a cave. And this is what he says. I, even I, only am left and they seek my life to take it away. Does that sound like a man who's really discouraged? But he's just come through a great victory. Here's what I say to you. Be careful when you come through a great victory because on the other side is a valley. Just be prepared. Because Satan doesn't like the victory side. And God speaks to him in that cave where he's hiding out, so discouraged. And listen to what the Lord said. I have 7,000. Elijah, you think you're the only one? This is what really encouraged me when I thought about that flag flying over the capital of Wisconsin. God says, I have 7,000 in Israel which have not bowed their knee to Baal. Folks, I want you to understand there's more than 7,000 in America who have not bowed their knee to Baal and we're not going to bow our knee. Let us be encouraged. That was the introduction to my message. <laughs> 13 ways to overcome discouragement. I actually, when I was going over this last night and then early this morning, I woke up at like 2.30 this morning and when my daughter Bethany came upstairs, I was sleeping with, I was on the, Sleeping with my Bible, and my message was on my lap. She said, I was going to come over and kiss you, but you were sleeping on the couch with your Bible and your message. I said, oh, there's going to be a real good message this morning. <laughs> Even puts the preacher to sleep. <laughs> Can I just read these to you? Just, I won't preach them, I'll just read them. 
we're going to overcome discouragement, we need to confess our sin. We need to repent of it and, you know, that'll get the Holy Spirit off your back. And it'll restore fellowship with God. That'll go a whole long way to removing that spirit of discouragement. Number two is to confess your sin to those you've sinned against. This will remove the guilt and will restore your relationship with others. Just simply going to them and saying, I was wrong, will you please forgive me? That will remove discouragement. Get focused on the eternal, not the temporal. i got to read this verse to you. I, I read this verse to two people yesterday. This is a crazy verse. Turn, turn there with me. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Do any of you know what the word blessed means? What? Happy. Luke 6, 22. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you. Hello. Now, I don't know about you, but when people hate me, that's pretty discouraging. How many, pretty, how many here like to be liked? Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from their own company. I don't want anything to do with you. Get out of here. Shall reproach you, say all these nasty things about you, and cast your name as evil. Isn't that crazy? The Bible says be happy about that. Verse 27. But I see unto you which hear. What church? How many of you have a red letter edition of the Bible? Now. Just because it's a red letter edition, which means it's the teachings of Jesus, doesn't mean that it's more important than other, it's all important. But this is what Jesus taught. Can you imagine how the people must have thought, this guy is off his rocker. But you see, we've got to focus on the eternal, not the temporal. You focus on the temporal, you're going to be discouraged. Number five. I guess I'm on number four. Think about those who have gone before you. Read about the heroes of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 11. Number five. Don't stop coming to church. Boy, this is where Satan gets you. get discouraged. How many of you stayed home and didn't come to church because you were discouraged. Can I see your hand? Come on, be honest. Well, I just don't feel like going to church today. <laughs> when you don't feel like coming to church, that's when you need to be in church the most. Now, if you feel like coming to church, don't stay home. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but you know, when we come to church, we can get the support we need. We can get the prayers that we need, the 
exhortations that we need, the comfort that we need. We can bear one another's burdens. David said, I went with them into the house of the Lord with the voice of rejoicing. Number six, sing. If you're discouraged, start singing, and then you'll discourage other people. <laughs> you'll feel better, but <laughs> sing and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Number seven, get busy serving the Lord and others. You know what? If you're discouraged and you get out there and you start serving the Lord, you kind of, kind of, for example, my wife yesterday, she went out to get all the bus kids signed up for camp. They had to sign permission slips. She came back. She wasn't feeling well at all. She's having one of her, the spells. But she pushed in. She went out. When she came back, she was like bouncing off the walls. She was so happy. She goes, this is my calling. And she got to share the gospel. And she was just so happy. I want to tell you something. You, you get your focus off of yourself. Is there something flying around here? What, what was flying around? A fly? I'm in competition with a fly, seriously. <laughs> Don't discourage the pastor when he's preaching a message. Like... Number eight, get around positive people. People who are always grumbling and complaining and always are depressed. They'll bring you down. Reflect on God's goodness. Number nine, his faithfulness, his provision. Listen, he's always been so good to us. God is so good. He's always been our need. Number ten, faithfully read your Bible especially the Psalms, First and Second Peter. Number 11, meditate on Scripture. If you meditate on Scripture, it'll be the joy and rejoicing of your heart. Number 12, pray, cast your burden upon the Lord, and He'll sustain you. And number 13, claim the promises of God. Listen, if you do those 13 things, and I'm sure you all have remembered them, I guarantee you, I promise you, It'll lift you out of your spirit of discouragement. Let's pray, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how practical it is, how it meets our every need. And Father, forgive us for just getting our focus off of you and onto ourselves. And Father, would you infuse us with the faith that we need to look beyond the trial? Look beyond the disappointment and look to you. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.